What's up, everybody? Devin McCarty here from Azella Companies, and welcome to our podcast. If you're new, welcome. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back. We appreciate the continued support. In this episode, Mike Close and I sit down with Kevin Muldoon, a product manager focusing on engineered lifeline systems and fall protection, and Kevin Paul, the director of safety and quality compliance here at Mozilla Companies. The four of us discuss personal fall protection equipment, covering the basics of fall protection systems, what people do incorrectly with their new PFP systems, and the importance of knowing what you're buying and installing. We start with a discussion about the differences between personal protective equipment and personal fall protection. So what is personal fall protection and do I even need it? Well, if, if you're talking about uh, protective equipment, you don't necessarily have to work at heights to have protective equipment. <clears throat> if you're going into a chemical plant, he had a fire retardant suit with a cover on it. So that's personal protective equipment. Mm-hmm. But when you're getting into heights, it's, it's, a, it's a different animal. You still have protective equipment. Mm-hmm. But a lot of companies just assume your PPE is your harness, hard hat, steel-toed metatarsals, you know, the whole nine yards. So it's, it, it, sometimes it's company-specific. And PPE is kind of the last thing you'd want to kind of resort to. If, I mean, you want to try to eliminate the hazard if, if first can, and foremost. That's right. And kind of work through the high, what he's kind of shown here is like the hierarchy of controls. See, if you look at if you look at everything, and I knew you were going to answer this question. Yep, I'm getting to know you. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you just look at safety in general, just safety itself. So, am I working at height? I'm going to need a harness, lanyard, that kind of thing, right? Okay. If I'm not working at height and I'm working in a steel mill, then I need that protective equipment. Mm-hmm. So, you really have to analyze the hazard. Hazard identification is the start. Okay. For safety. Okay. So, if you identify the hazard and you do that correctly. Then you're going to say, okay, yeah, I'm working a fire. I need a fire retardant, right? I'm, I'm working at high. I'm going to need a harness. So that, I think if we start that, our whole safety kind of thing with the premise of hazard identification, mm-hmm. and then once we identify the hazard, you're either going to control or eliminate. To Kevin's point, you know, this little chart says you're eliminating the hazard that would be great right yeah now this guy could get a ladder and he created a hazard that he could have controlled or eliminated or eliminate essentially so then whose job is it to identify those hazards i mean is that supposed to already be laid out and then when somebody comes in they're just told or is it the individual as they're coming onto a job site to identify whatever hazards are occurring? excellent question our reps they go in and they'll say yeah we, we can help you with that or they'll bring me in or they'll maybe talk to kevin but if we have our front load sheet it says hazard identification identify the fall hazard and <clears throat> describe it in a few sentences in their own words mm-hmm. we don't have them oh well it's got to be a b c or d and oh gee it's different than those i can't really right. check that we have a step-by-step process in other words we, we would like our reps to go in and say it's a vertical fall hazard because if they're climbing a ladder it's vertical if it's horizontal they're walking on a catwalk I, in my mind or the way i think is that's a horizontal fall right everything is vertical if it's a fall mm-hmm. so it comes down to the basics if we can get the basics of the hazard identification and say for instance companies they have maintenance issues on equipment they're on top of the equipment that's the hazard they are at four feet or higher mm-hmm. okay now in construction if you're four feet you're okay because construction is six feet, okay, etc. So on this form, though, here it is: general industry, oh, cool. shipyards. So they don't have to think about that. Our guys come in with a hazard assessment form. 
So they would check the box of whatever they are and it'd say it's four feet. Oh, I didn't know four feet. Is it typical that you'll come on with one of these sheets and somebody will do an audit and they'll miss three, four, five, or yes. however many? Yeah, copies? so I ask the rep to, to fill it out and send it to me the best they can. Okay. And then I look at it and I fill out the rest. So it's asking whether they have a job site uh, analysis they should on, on site, mm -hmm. yes or no. We could help them with that. Okay. It's almost like before I pick up the phone and talk to the customer, the rep already has, I'm saying, oh, so I, I understand you guys have a, a, a height issue mm -hmm. with your maintenance workers on some of your machines. Yeah, and then they start telling you about it. Mm -hmm. The more they tell you, the more we know, the more we can help them. Mm -hmm. The better information you have, the better we can help them. Yeah. And instead of those sense. conversations where, you know, if there's a production manager that's saying, hey, I got my guys that are on top of this, you know, 12-foot item, but they move around a lot. Mm -hmm. Range of motion. So do you, when do you come in and start pitching different types of fall protection systems? I mean, because it's not a one-size-fits-all, correct? Right. I was at uh, Ipsco Steel uh, Friday, um, and they had a problem with uh, their furnace in an area. And the guy said, well, no, you can't do that. Well, no, you can't do that, because I'm asking questions, right? Well, can we put a platform? Well, no, we don't want that. Well, why don't you want it, right? So if you can, if you can, and, and the hierarchy is is stepped out like one, two, three, four, five. Five is, I don't want to use the case, worst case scenario, but that's when you get into safety monitoring, things like that, where mm -hmm. it's really not equipment, it's technical information. Okay. So do we do we want, you know, a lot of guys have this debate, fall restraint and, and fall arrest. Do I want arrest or do I want restraint? If in my world I want restraint, I don't want the I don't want the worker near the hazard. So if I can prevent them from going to the hazards, that's what I want. Okay. Fall arrest is there's a 50-50 shot, the guy's gonna fall. That's that's iron workers. That's guys on bridges. Okay. You know, that that kind of thing. So it it it's really which one do you want to pick? And a lot of people intermix this. You know, some health and safety people will say, nah, we just want to follow rest. Well, why do you want to follow rest? Can't you do follow restraint? Well, why would I want to do follow restraint? Because you want to prevent the worker from going to the hazard in the first place, wouldn't you? Yeah. And then they're like, yeah. But somebody told me about follow rest, and that's what I want. And I'm like, well, we're here to help you. Okay. You know, you help the customer make the decision with you. You don't go in and say, this is what you want, buy it. Nobody wants that. Mm -hmm. You want them to buy in and understand the solution we're giving them because then they'll help buy in their employees for doing it. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The other thing I wanted to point out to you is that OSHA just came out with their 18 top citations. 14, 15, and I think it was even back 2010. Fall protection was the first, always the first one, right? But new for 18, and I really wanted to tell you guys this because I know you guys are really cutting edge guys. Um, fall protection training made eight. So think about this. Duty to have fall protection and fall protection training made the top ten. And the other thing is, right, is that hazard communication has been number two for quite a while. A lot of our customers work at heights. I mean, when you, when you say the word crane, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's height, right? Yeah. When you say the word rigging, we're, we're lifting something, yeah. right? So you're, it's inherent height. So, I mean, we're, we're really talking about identifying hazards and educating them on what hazards are, how to combat them, how to eliminate them if, if at all possible. Right. Why do you think that there's an upswing in violations, in training, in awareness? Like, what do you think is that cause? Well, there's, there's a lot of things that I think it is. And companies are looking for efficiency. Speed is, is in... Uh, 
in business today, speed fast, mm -hmm. do things fast. And I think what's happened is, oh, you got your harness? Yeah. You got your lantern? Yeah. Oh, yeah, connect to that. That's fine. Oh, yeah, we're good. And they don't go through the inspection process. Um, and they don't look at saying, hey, how can you get hurt, right? They don't analyze it before they do it. It's like, talk to Al Abel about lifting plants, right? There's a lot of companies out there that say, hey, we got to lift. All right, yeah, yeah. we we'll Boom, 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 hey, we lift it. And then there's a problem. Al's like, plan your lift, right? This yeah. is the steps you take. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with fall protection. Hey, we're going to work, be working at heights, guys. we got to figure this out. And it may not be easy. You mm -hmm. may not have, the guy might not have fall protection built into his his. Right. His project, right? So he's like, "Where am I going to get that money from, dude?" Mm -hmm. Well, you should have thought about that because everybody wants to be safe. I don't care if you talk to anybody around, right? We all want to be safe. That's that's part of being a human being. Yeah. And if you're working in an unsafe environment, or you don't even know you're working in an unsafe environment to begin with, mm -hmm. that's horrible. Well, yeah, and if you're even sweating costs, I mean, what's more expensive, to put in a personal fall protection system of whatever configuration or to have an OSHA fine if somebody has an accident? Exactly. Because from what I've known, talking to Tom uh, Horner's group about all the different issues and stuff, it, it seems right. like 10 times out of 10, the fine is always going to be more expensive than anything that you would put into place to keep that individual safe. And that's but what I think you see OSHA putting an emphasis on it because I think you are seeing more and more fatalities yeah. in that in falls right and it's calling attention to it and osha's job is to hey let's get our arms together and figure out how we can prevent this stuff going forward so like a lot of businesses now are just trying to they're getting the awareness piece like oh yeah we we do have some potential fall hazards how okay. common is it for you to go in or for reps to go into a facility where somebody says oh no i already got fall protection we're good our guys are good but then it's not either yes. it's not compliant or they're not yes. clear how to use it properly yes how how often does that problem happen a lot because nobody wants to say that we are unsafe because essentially that's what they're saying. Right. You know, and, and so I'm like, oh, really? Oh, so who do you guys use? You have a basic harness. Uh, I mean, wh what kind of work do you do at Heights? If you take this and talk about the hazard, what, what, do you, what do you do? And then the JSA, when you talk about the JSA, it's, it's how we do what we do safely. So then it's like, oh, yeah, so tell me more. Like this guy that uh, didn't know what it was. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I said, how we do what we do safely? He goes, that's what it is? I'm like, yeah, go online. So I was in his office. He went on the computer and I said, JSA forms. He goes, wow. Right? Yeah. So you can develop your own. Mm -hmm. Right? We can help you develop it. Right? Mm -hmm. It's the steps to say, this is how we are going to work safely. Now, a lot of guys think, and a lot of older guys, iron workers that I've known for years, they they put on, they call it a monkey suit, it restricts me, I can't go over here, I can't grab what I need, right? right? Well, if you can't grab what you need, there's a reason why you can't go over there. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's the case and it's fall restraint, maybe we need to put a safety monitor there So because you don't have a parapet, which needs to be 42 inches high, right? Mm -hmm. Plus or minus three inches, right? Or a guardrail system. But if you're going into the hazard and you really understand and you take the time to listen to what the guy does, you have to listen to what they do. And once you get what they're, what they're doing, then you come back and say, you know what, I want to get our vendors to get some concept drawings mm -hmm. and then get the rep involved and say, this is what we think the solution is and here's why. Right. Because it's a furnace that's going to be hot all the time, a permanent situation for them isn't going to work. It will melt that stanchion or whatever. Yeah. So when it's down and it's cool, then we, what we want the guys to do is put up their own fall protection 
they, because it's guardrailed off, mm-hmm. and then once they move uh, the the bucket off and the, they expose the fall hazard, it'll already be set up. Okay. And I told them that, and they're like, "Hey, great! I want to know more." Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> if, but I didn't needed to understand what they did. I needed to stand there and watch their guys. Right. Before I made that that determination. No, so how customizable is a fall protection system? Say you're in a steel mill where there's a guy that has to move from point to point, or there's a lot of mobility. I mean, how how much can you customize something that's not just a guardrail? It starts with your anchor point. Okay. You, you can't you can't be tied off, 100% tied off, which is what Kevin and I deal in our world, without having an anchor point, and it has to be a suitable anchor point. Okay. And what OSHA says is it has to be 5,000 pounds per employee attached, right? Well, okay, but if it's a professional engineer and a PE does a calculation on it, it could be 3,600. Now, if you talk to most safety guys, they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And they're like, well, how much is the, how much is the PE cost? Well, that's part of the bid package we could do for you, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're saying, okay, is it an engineered system where multiple guys can be tied to the system, or is it just one anchor point? If it's an engineered system where multiple guys can be tied to it, then that's a different scenario, mm-hmm. right? So how many guys are going to be working there, right? One of the reasons why we use Tractel is because they can have five guys on one system in a, in a 50-foot run. That's a game changer because a lot of companies can't do that, right? right? Well, you can have two workers working, a boss, maybe an inspector, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe another guy, right? So this is a good selling tool for yeah. the guys. But... Again, it's all on the anchor point because if, if there's nothing to attach to, then okay, so <clears throat> this is showing you an anchor point, this is showing you an anchor point, these two are not showing you an anchor mm-hmm. point. So maybe we need to guardrail it off. Solid Platforms is working at another steel plant where the guy says, you know what, I know what's going to happen. Our guys aren't going to use it, they're not going to be tied off. It's going to be, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to get a phone call and the guy's not going to use it. And can you guys do a guardrail system? So what's the difference in quality from those two systems, you know, being tied off? Well, if it, well that, this is where you buy the customer and you say, hey, can we put a guardrail system up? We could do a catwalk around this thing and we wouldn't have to worry about tying them off. Mm-hmm. Well, what would that cost? I said, well, that's going to cost more than just putting an anchor point up, obviously, right? Yeah. But long term, I mean, you guys aren't going out of business. You're, you're a billion-dollar company. Mm-hmm. I actually think this would be an investment. And there, there again, when you're talking to reps, you tell them that this is an investment. It's not an expense. Because most guys that are going to go to their boss or they're going to go ask for money, they're thinking, oh, I'm asking for money. It's an expense, right? No, 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 no. These guys are working, right? Every day, mm-hmm. right? It's an investment. Yeah. Every day, right? It's part of their tools that you invest in. Can you use stuff in your facility to kind of help you with your fall protection like needs? So we, so our crane shop, for example, we have over cranes in each bay and they all move. Now for a truck that's getting backed in, are you allowed to use any of that already existing equipment to tie off to? Or does it have to be its own separate system? Like, can you call? Can you just tie or attach your fall like protection tie system to, to, crane, yeah, to your overhead crane hook and have some kind of rigging that's just there and available? Well, here's, well, there's there's kind of a gray area that you're getting into. We want an engineered or pre-engineered system, and a couple of reasons why is that it's tested, it's calculated out, and then also that we can somehow inspect it. It's got inspection criteria. We know the components of it, and we know that it's made right. for a load of 310 pounds. You know, the four of us are on this system, and it's going to hold all four of us, and that's really the 
the basis of it. If we look and we say, okay, is that thing, can that thing hold me? Well, you have to think to yourself, 5,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. So can that thing hold me for 5,000 pounds? We actually have uh, some projects we're working on now where we have a structural engineer that will go up and he will do the calculations to make sure that it's compliant. And that's the other thing that Mozilla offers is we can we can do that. How do you know? And like if, if I owned a business and, and I was making widgets, right? Mm -hmm. And I looked up there and I said, well, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I know the roof's good. They put a new roof on and everything, but I don't know if that can hold that much. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a structural engineer that can do calculations to make sure that it does. Oh, you do? Yeah. We'll, we'll, build, we'll bid that in that's part of the package. And once that happens, and then they'll say, well, what if it's not? Well, chances are we'll be able to reinforce that for you to be able to be compliant. So how do you how do you kind of verify that whatever fall protection plan that you have in place checks all of the boxes? It's rated properly, the harnesses are inspected correctly, the training's there, you also have a rescue plan in place, and you know that all your systems and processes are correct. How you know, is there like a checklist of things that you need to do yeah, to apply a, to any, a, any yeah, system? Yeah, there's a JSA and how we do what we do safely, and part of that JSA is the ABCs of fall protection. And the hierarchy that, yeah, mm -hmm. we identified the fact that we have a hazard and we're using passive fall protection. Mm -hmm. And, and we're, we've checked out to make sure that that guardrail is at least 42 inches high. It has a mid-rail of 21 inches and a tow border of three, uh, three and a half inches to four inches. Mm -hmm. And it can take a force of 200 pounds in either direction. Yeah, we have that. And so that's something that somebody could do on their own. They could take a GSA and they can look at their own system. They could actually apply this this method of a GSA to say that yes, I've done all these things mm -hmm. and my system is correct, or at least it was at the time of this, you know, this audit. So say you're say you're ocean. You come in and you say, okay, guys, how are you doing what you do safely? Yeah. You, the customer should be able to speak to that with 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 confidence and comfort, and be able to say. This is exactly what we do and how we do it, right? I mean, that's that's pretty much in a nutshell. If you can explain what you're doing to to a novice, right? It should it should be solid and pretty much what in hazard communication, right? You you you've identified the hazard, and a lot of times we're just blown by this identify the hazard thing. It takes some time. It's not yeah. just. I can come in and say, like a doctor, right? They have to examine you. Sometimes in an X-ray, they got to figure out what's wrong. Mm -hmm. Then once they figure out what's wrong, then they can correct it. Some of them didn't know they had a hazard. They had hazards for all the stuff, and this guy changes a hopper on the top. Well, what do you think he does? <laughs> he gets he disconnects. His, yeah, oh, he yeah. disconnects from his harness, and he <laughs> climbs up this hopper. He cleans the hopper, comes back down, and connects to the harness. I watch it with my own eyes. And he says, well, what do, what do we do? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, he can have a wild land and still be connected. We're going to put some type of a stanchion up there, some type of connecting point, mm -hmm. so he can connect to that, walk up, do what he's going to do, and come back down. He disconnects from that, and then he connects to the system. Well, and that all ties back to the training, too. I mean, you know, when you do those trainings, you're opening their eyes to stuff that they're doing. Do you do the same thing that, like, the rigging trainers do, where you do, like, a walk through mm -hmm. prior to coming in and mm -hmm. doing training yeah. so you can see yeah. how they do it and yeah. use that. Yeah, then, because then you talk to them and then you get to know the guys you can call them by name, Mike, Larry, John, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And you can basically say, yeah. And, and then a lot of the guys, are the, the probably the biggest thing that I run into is they're like, you're going to make me wear this monkey suit. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not making you. I'm not making you do a thing. Yeah. I'm telling you that it's going to protect you. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's... it's it. It, it, it's part of something that, that people don't think about, 
that they need. Mm-hmm. It's like a seatbelt. I remember when seatbelt, you know, when you didn't need to wear a seatbelt. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Then when now everybody's doing it, right? People mm-hmm. still don't do it. Well, you get a, you can get a ticket for it. But by and large, the majority of drivers today are using seatbelts, mm-hmm. and it's protecting them. And so a good segue is a lot of people still use seatbelts incorrectly. I mean, with yeah. car, Mike and I both have kids um, oh, yeah, as well. So, I mean, yeah. with car seats, I mean, the installation of car seats being done so wrong is like more more of a common issue with like infancy, death, and a vehicle accident because people just think that they're doing right, but they're not. Right. So then to segue into default protection, how often are people either using these systems incorrectly or putting their harnesses on incorrectly? So what are, what are common right. issues with fault protection systems? Well, that's, that's a good point. <clears throat> Inspection is the key, right? So, you know, I went into this one class and the, and the guy's like, all right, how often do these things fail? And I said, well, let's go into your locker. He's like, like now? Like the, the class is going on. I'm like, no, come on, everybody, right? There's maybe eight guys. Yeah. Walked down there, we went through every locker. And I knew I had probably a 50-50 shot of at least having one that didn't comply. Mm-hmm. Half of them didn't. Well, really? And so what exactly, you know, can you give me some examples of yeah. what you saw? <clears throat> yeah, uh, uh, stitching. They One of them had a bent D-ring. A lot of them had a bent D-ring. I had no idea whether they had them on the ground and a tow motor around over them or okay. something like that, but it looked like that. Mm-hmm. So that, that to me, was, was, was really telling. What else was wrong with them? A lot of them had oil. Uh, on them, mm-hmm. and so one guy pulled it, and the other guy pulled it, and, the, and the, one of the um, straps like shrank down. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "That's not good." And I said, "Yeah, would you want to have that?" And he goes, "No." Okay. Like, okay. And then he's like, "Well, how much is this?" And I said, "Well, look, a good harness is a couple hundred bucks." Everybody looks like, "Okay, it's your point. I get your point. How much is this going to cost me? What's your life worth?" Right, right. You know what I mean? mean? Nothing's free. I get that. Tom Horner and Brian Holmgren were kind of standing near us, and there was a contractor that I don't know if he was with our building or if he was with... uh, Oh, I saw the same thing. And he had a harness on, and he was walking over, and I heard Brian Holmgren go, that guy's harness is junk. He's, uh-huh. he's like, you can t- I can tell. And the guy wasn't even close to guy. us. He I was 50 yards away. And Brian's like, that thing has so much UV damage on yeah. it. Yeah. He's like, that thing should be scrapped. Yeah. And it's just some guy, I think he right. came to see what was going on, like, on our yeah. side. He was wearing his harness. Yeah, Yeah. so we're seeing. So a common thing that you see is, you know, oil or UV degradation to a harness that makes it obsolete or inserviceable. And then you mentioned something about stitching. Some stitching coming right. loose? or Yeah, you could see that it was being it was frayed. Okay. So I didn't Broken know if it Broken or was, worn yeah, stitches. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so how much give do you have on that? If, I mean, a little bit of fraying is okay or well, no? Well, there whatsoever? used to be there used to be a five-year rule, which doesn't apply anymore. If it's five years or older, you just get rid of it no matter what mm-hmm. it's really the manufacturer spec and when we sell a harness our reps should be able to say look we're selling you this dbi this miller and they should know the spec they should say we're giving this to you i want to let you know that you have to by mm-hmm. um by osha regulation that you have to inspect it before each use the inspection criteria is on there and we provide that if you need it <clears throat> but just want to let you know this is what we just like when you buy a car. I remember my daughter buy, bought her first new car, and I didn't want her to buy a new car, but she did. And she looked at it, and the guy just went right through the manual, and she really didn't care because she wanted to turn the stereo on and show her friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I'm serious. Yeah, I need the car. And, and, and I'm like, would you listen to what the guy's telling you? Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll tell you how the radio works. You know? <laughs> Every, everybody wants to blow through it. Yeah. That's, that's the key. I mean, that... He, he, 
not blowing through it and taking the time. Fall protection get, takes a back seat mm-hmm. until somebody's like, wow, that guy got hurt. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't take a back seat. It should be first and foremost. So sticking on that that train of things that are done incorrectly with fall protective systems. So you get a harness, you've inspected it, it's good to go. You put it on. How important is sizing? I mean, how often do you see people that have a completely wrongly sized harness or that they're well, wearing it completely incorrectly? I mean, how often do you see that? When I first got into fall protection, I think the rate requirement was 170 pounds. Now it's 310. Sizing it to the customer is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, picking out the right one. A lot of guys don't pick out the right harness. If they're a tower climber, mm-hmm. they're going to need a, a front D-ring or, or chest D-ring. They may need some side for positioning because they're going in the tower, right? And side D-rings are not used for primary uh, anchorage, mm-hmm. right? So selecting the correct harness for what you're doing, it's not just I have an all-purpose harness and one size fits all because mm-hmm. there is not a one size fits all And harness. so how many different types of harnesses are there? You know, eight. A good example, too, is like we do hot weld work. Mm-hmm. You can't just wear your regular harness. You got to no, make wanna, sure it's, you want a Kevlar. it's they rated mean, for that. Yeah, right, exactly. So there are specific hazardous environment built harnesses to withstand yes. UV or heat or there's, whatever. Other there's elements. one that's a breathing apparatus. So if you're in a confined space, it actually has a tank oh, cool. that has oxygen in it for you to be able to... To do your job until you're done. So there's, there, there definitely are, and I can I can send you. I, I've got slides and everything. Yeah. Do they use uh, what type of webbing material? Is it both? Can you get nylon you, you and polyester? Get, you can get nylon and polyester, and the Kevlar ones are pretty cool. They're expensive. Yeah. But I mean, Kevlar bulletproof. Yeah. So. And so the inspection criteria for those harnesses, is it pretty similar to what the inspection criteria is for web slings and polyester slings? Because it's essentially the same material, right? It, or, it would be it would be essentially the same material, but there's components built into it, so you have to look at the D-ring. Mm-hmm. You've got to look at the, the, the uh, buckles and the clips, the grommets, and all of that that's that's inside the harness itself. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so you get a harness. It's good to go. It's fit to you properly. You know, it's sized right. Capacity is good. You know, after that, when you're tying off, like, what else... Do people get wrong when they're anchoring to their new system or using, you know, their guardrails or, you know, what else do people do wrong that you see when they're using their fall protection equipment? Um, they don't follow the manufacturer spec. And what does that mean? Well, all right, so what if they if they put up a guardrail system, right, and they don't have the last anchor point that it goes into, There, there's like a counterweight system that goes into and there's a pin, right? They're like, hey, let's get something else to to do that. They think that doing that's not a big deal. Well, it is because it compromises the system. Uh, when we were in Goodyear inspecting that line, they had two types of uh, product on one line. They had a Miller system and a Sala system, and they had a, uh, a grade 8 bolt, and they should have had a grade 5. There's all kinds of different things. They had saddle clips rather than fist grips on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and talking to the engineer he's like wow why did we do that and I said because you know you, you wanted a line you wanted them to be safe but you didn't know mm-hmm. right yeah. that's why you did it so yeah and so it's it not like yeah. so it's like it, 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 it's almost like what they do is they look well this will be good that looks the same and it's not the same right that's compatibility um, just not recognizing the fact that they need to take the time to go through and say this is an engineered system and I have to use the the components right use the analogy of a brake system on a car 
you wouldn't put a brake system on a Ford and a Chevy and vice versa. Mm -hmm. It might work for a while, but if you tried the brakes and it didn't work, mm -hmm. you'd be sorry for doing it. Unless you're it. a postal truck. Yeah. yeah. Those things are frank. But you, you know yeah. what I'm saying. So last question would be, this happens a lot in the BTH world where they have a lot of homemade equipment, engineered systems, and so you know their engineers make it, they're confident in that, but then there's no tagging your way to kind of prove the capacity because it is homemade. Do you have any issues with homemade fall protection yes. systems that people try to make on their own? Yes. You kind of alluded to that. You get some, you get some aircraft cable or some wire yeah. open, some yeah, yeah. I put mean, together in a line. It, I get the fact that maybe their engineer said there's no way that'll work, right? But mm -hmm. there's a thing called deflection. There's a thing called elongation of of the product that and and calculating the fall distance and all that, right? Did their engineer do that? Maybe I don't know. But, but wouldn't you want something that, that somebody looked at and said, yeah, that you're good to go with that, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you know, duct tape is, is, is a great tool, right? But <laughs> they've seen yeah. guys mm -hmm. use duct tape for a lot of things I wouldn't even think about. Yeah, it's not, so, you know, duct tape isn't worth your life. Yeah, and, and so wouldn't you, and a lot of guys think, oh, man, we got that quote for $10,000 from Mazzello. I could do it for eight. Yeah. Okay. But you really want to tell them, two grand? Really? So say it's three grand. It's like, really? Yeah. They're like, oh, can you do something on your price? I'm not like, no, I can't. If you want it done right, I can't. Yeah. And, and, and why, what, if people realize what they're paying for, if they know why they're paying that much, they'll pay it. Mm -hmm. But if they think that somehow they're not getting a value, safety is a value. It's an investment. It's not something that it's like, yeah, are you going to go through soft goods? Of course you are. But if you've got a system up there that's built from Mozilla, you know that it's going to be compliant. It's going to be right. They want to buy it from you know, Amazon or whatever, and they want to see if they can sue Miller because they put it on or put it in incorrectly or whatever it is, go at it. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's another side to doing business with us versus doing business with somebody else. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's why we wanted to do all this. I mean, it's all about getting really, really good information, making sure everybody's trained and they understand exactly what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. And a really important trade is, you know, being able to identify something that's done incorrectly to help, you know, call it out and get it safe and Get right. it all taken care of. Right. And that's all for today's podcast. I hope we were able to help provide you with a better understanding of personal fall protection equipment, as well as its various capabilities and configurations. If you liked what you heard, share it with your friends or coworkers, especially if they're considering personal fall protection in the future. You can also head over to mazellacompanies.com, where we've got a ton of blog articles written and downloads available for you to grab. If you're into video, you can also catch our content on YouTube by popping over to youtube.com slash mazellacompanies. Thank you for listening.